Alright, what's up guys? So, uh, it's Fantasy Football Analyst, and I have a little bit of a treat for you guys. Um, this is going to be broken up to a bunch of different segments. So, I'm going to be interviewing just about everyone from the Fantasy Football Throne League about their teams. And uh, no particular order, but it's really just going to be about whoever's free first, and I'll record that segment then. So, uh, make sure you guys stay tuned. And subscribe to my Fantasy Football Analyst podcast if you aren't already. And yeah, so next you here, I'm going to be interviewing one of the many Fantasy Football Throne League members. Alright guys, I'm here with my first guest, which is Smitty from The Fantasy Show. So what's up Smitty, thanks for joining. It's The Fantasy Football Show, God buddy. Damn Come it. on, get it right. God damn, I don't want to restart this recording. <laughs> I was good with that, I didn't care. Alright, well, Smitty's actually the one who designed the Fantasy Throne League, and uh, he's the one who came up with the idea. I know a lot of other people are trying to copy it, which is cool, you know, that's their own thing, that's fine. But uh, Smitty's the OG, he approached us all about it, it's a really great concept, a lot of you guys seem to like it. So, uh, But he's here today to talk about his team, and uh, a lot of the players he's taken, some heat he's gotten for a particular player going pretty early. But I'm, I'll let him defend that later on. So we'll start with your first round pick, Alvin Kamara, fourth overall. I mean, can't go wrong there. What, what's your thought on Alvin Kamara? Like a brief, like, I mean, how do you think he's going to do? Yeah, he's my 1.01 across the board. If I've got the 1.01 in even multiple leagues, a lot of times what I do is I don't like to put all my eggs in one basket with certain players. But with Kamara, I've been doing it. Um, I think he's the most consistent player uh, to draft at that 1.01. Uh, so if I had the 1.01, I would have been I would have been rallying behind my troops to to, to draft Kamara. So to have him fall to 1.04, we were ecstatic. We couldn't believe that the counselor took David Johnson at 1.01. Just opened up the door for us to have <laughs> yeah. two options to have at that 1.04 versus the leftover big four. So for me, 81 81 receptions in back to back seasons uh, his rookie and second year. Um, you know, only in the league two years. He's fresh. He's the kind of guy that gets about 200 carries, 190 to 210 carry-wise. So I'm not worried about Lat Marie, like so many people seem to bring up, like that has anything to do with Kamara being successful in 2019. You don't want him getting more than 200, 210 carries. And they run enough to where, yeah, that, that makes Murray a pretty decent standalone flex, but it doesn't hurt Kamara. Kamara's on his way, in my opinion to having a 90 to 100 reception season in 2019 mix that with his average of 13 TDs or more his over 1500 yards uh, per season so far he's the definition of consistency he's my clear cut 1.01 yeah I mean I feel like a lot of people put him out of their top five every single year and he's finished third I think the last two years so um well first first year obviously nobody was even thinking about him but um yeah so uh, 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 i was all right that's okay all right. I, I, he was in my he was my number four bull prediction out of 10 10 total bull predictions that i toss out every year it's my most sought after feature on sleeperu.com and he was my number five bull prediction said he'd be a top five running back within the you know his second entering his second year so uh i've been high him for a long time and and um, that's probably one one reason why why i'm a little higher on him than most because I, I feel like i found the guy but Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, no, that no problem. No. <laughs> this is what this is all about. You get to defend your picks and, you yeah. know, put your reasonings out there. But your next pick I really, really love. I was really hoping I could get Dalvin Cook one way or another. Everybody seemed to be passing on him, but you were able to snag him ninth in the, like at the ninth pick in the second round. So, uh, I mean, that's one pick before me. He definitely wouldn't have went past me. So, uh, 
Love that pick. I don't think he's really injury prone at all. So, uh, I mean, is there anything else you want to add about Dalvin Cook other than the fact that he's just going to be a I mean, stud a, this year? He's a top five to seven overall player, you know, value like potential wise. And last year he was drafted that high. So yes, the injury concerns enter in the picture when you're talking about do I rely on him or not in 2019. But that's baked into his value when he said, uh, you know, 15 to 19 overall player being drafted. You have all that risk baked into it, and it's like there's the if he lands and is a top five to seven overall player in, in top five running back at that, then you have like win a league material on your hands. Whereas if he disappoints, let's say that Minnesota offense struggles a little bit out of the gate, even though they deployed that offensive scheme at the end of the year last year and tried it out, mm-hmm. the same scheme that's going to scale back Thielen's targets, and they used it and they were successful and Cook bounced back and was his his old self he showed signs of it so it's not like we're waiting to see if cook ever rebounds he did rebound he proved it this isn't the case with todd Gurley, where everyone's saying well todd Gurley's gonna bounce back we haven't seen todd Gurley bounce back cook did and cook's younger this is a totally different situation even though people like to compare those two uh situations about oh well you believe in cook why do you believe in him and not todd Gurley, smitty but cook to me is a top five running back and worst case scenario he earns that second round value it was a steal we contemplated evans you drafted mike evans right yep right after you yeah so he was the only other player we were considering and i would have been fine with that too so let me put that out there and it might have made our team a little more balanced to be honest with you but i don't regret it because i think both of them are going to dominate and i think at the end of the year it's going to be you know it's just a matter of us hitting on one of our next picks that we'll talk about that i think everyone thinks was crazy (laughs) early but we'll get to that yeah so Patrick Mahomes, uh, third. I know your biggest thing on Mahomes is you feel like even if he can't exactly repeat what he did last year, he can get pretty damn close and still return value. So uh, we'll go over that one. And then I want to talk about the two Rams players you took. So Robert Woods, pretty standard fourth-round pick. You know, you needed the wide receiver. But Daryl Henderson, I mean, what was this, a fifth round? The fourth pick of the fifth round? Uh, Sony so, Michelle still available. Chris Carson, Miles Sanders went after James White, but I know I know your case for Henderson. But tr- try to explain to everyone what your thought process was in the fifth round. So first of all, this isn't my draft or my nomination. Some everybody does their nominations different. Yeah. Some of and I've given full freedom to everybody to accumulate those four mm-hmm. players they're voting on, however they want, because your community is going to let you know if you're doing a crappy job of, of gathering the vote. Uh, processing the vote and getting it all all together. So I left that up to everybody to see how whose community can survive this the best, whose community can, can come together the best. My community votes and nominates the players. I don't. So everyone keeps saying, Smitty, you took him early. Smitty, you took him early. Yes, I'm the biggest advocate of Daryl Henderson. He's my number one go-get must-have. He wins you a late player in 2019. But I didn't nominate him. I would have nominated him probably around later. Now, I may have missed. we may have missed on him because our sixth-rounder was so late. Mm-hmm. And everyone knows that I want him. And I think it's Nation that has Gurley. So he was probably going to be potentially one of the players taken right before we drafted in the late sixth round. So I didn't nominate him there. My, my people did. And as you know, with our, our content and our training, so to speak, yeah. all of the stuff that we has a we big effect out, on them. It, it has a big effect on yeah on, on what our users and followers and, and, and you know teammates in this sense are going to think and do. And so they nominated him in the four. I could I had nothing to do with it. 
And so I said to myself, okay, the cat's out of the bag. Henderson's going to be talked about because everybody's in everybody's <laughs> lives and they talk about it. And I knew at that point it was like we either get him or we don't at this point because he is called out. The cat was out of the bag. So I defended it. I voted for it. I actually went to bat for it because of all the players there, once you get to a certain place in your fantasy football draft where you're looking at players that you can take them or leave them, they're not going to make you lose a league if you miss out on them. That's when you start taking some of the reach gambles. And for Henderson, yeah, Michelle was there. Big deal. Can I live without <laughs> Michelle? Yes. I think Michelle's very injury prone. All of the players around it, even Jarvis Landry, really good receiver we could have thrown on our team. I can take him or leave him. So when you get to that point and you told me, Smitty, you either take him in the fifth or you won't own him, I would have taken him in the fifth because he can win you a league in that fifth round range even though that's super early i don't recommend the average person take him in the fifth round <laughs> but in our situation he was nominated i think he could earn us in a true grade a top 12 overall player down the road if he lands if we do want to trade so we'll see how it plays out i, I can't wait for people to circle back and give me the old well you got lucky that Todd Gurley got hurt smitty <laughs> because that's the whole argument and so we'll see what happens. I can't wait for everybody that's trash-talking Daryl Henderson not being a potential league winner. I can't wait till we get there because those people are going to vanish. Those people aren't going to come out and talk about it with me. They're going to hide and not speak on it. If I'm wrong, uh, we won't lose our league because of it. If I'm wrong, I won't lose any of my leagues because of my Daryl Henderson stance because it's still not at a value that you're risking your whole season at. Mm-hmm. But if I win it, all the teams I have them in, our, our championship contending teams if not the winning team because he's that big of an impact yeah I mean I, that's definitely the biggest thing about your team and a lot of pe- things that uh, people are mentioning is the fact that you took Daryl Henderson in the fifth round but you defended it very well and uh, so the last two players you drafted was Sammy Watkins in the sixth round and Hunter Henry in the seventh is there anything you wanted to add in those two players I wanted to joke you. This is the one case where my influence didn't matter. Ah. Uh, I got people. I got people close to, to voting the Joku over Hunter Henry. The Joku to me is a top four to six tight end breakout in 2019. And I know a little bit about calling the breakout tight end because I've landed a few Jimmy Graham in the past on CBS Sports Radio on the show that I do, the longest running fantasy football radio show in the world. I've been doing that 15 years. The show itself has been going for 23. I, ta- I talked about Jimmy Graham on that show when. Uh, he was breaking out. But anyways, Dejoku has a lot of the same similarities to me in terms of he's getting drafted very late. People kind of know he's coming, but they're not investing him like they should. This guy, even in an offense where they have a lot of mouths to feed, Dejoku could have one of those 6-10 to 10 TD seasons with a whole boatload of yards, and the guy is a machine, and I can't wait for him to break out. I wanted him big. We got Hunter Henry. I'm still okay with that. I backed my supporters and followers who wanted Hunter Henry. He won by three votes. Wow. So I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm transparent. I wanted to joke who I didn't force it because my, my followers by three votes voted Henry. Um, but Sammy Watkins, uh, you know, we'll see how that works out. Um, he was a decent value where we got him, but I'm not like super pumped about him or think that he's going to have just yeah. the most I mean, if he's healthy, ever. he's got Patrick Mahomes throwing to him. So that's yeah, Robert, wide receiver to Robert, value enough. Robert Woods, I like a lot where we got him as the fourth, as the fourth uh, drafted player. Um, I think it would have been, you know, there were a lot of players right there that I could have, could have saw us like taking and being happy with. Um, Mahomes was a, a controversial pick that you mentioned earlier. This is kind of, I guess, the last player we talk about. Is I took him in, we we took him in the third, and with if Damian Williams was there, he was already gone. 
if Kittle was there, he was already gone. Those would have been players that we would have contemplated for sure and then taken an A-Rod later, Aaron Rodgers, or taking a Baker Mayfield later because those are also QBs I think can win you a league in the right spots. But when you get to a point where Damian Williams is gone, Kittle's gone, and you have a bunch of questionable talent, talented players that have you know as much risk as they have reward, it's time to go with the guy that can outscore every single player in fantasy football and Pat Mahomes and take your gamble on your player later that's going to fill the void of the spot that you're passing on where people are taking a Fournette in the third round or taking a player that has a lot of risk in the third round. I'd rather take my my later player and mix it with Mahomes versus taking that player that's going to compete with my later player and then them, that person taking a, a QB later. Just For me, it's all about what you predict for Mahomes. And if you think Mahomes is going to throw for 45 TDs, then I think he's a slam dunk in the third. If you don't think he's going to throw for that, then of course, why would you take him there? All right, well... Nothing I didn't expect, Smitty. I I had a feeling this was uh you you definitely have some passion about fantasy football, and I know that <laughs> you're gonna take every pick and go through it, which is awesome. You know that's exactly what we're looking it, for. <laughs> as, as tough as I sound, and as passionate and aggressive as I sound about this, I, I literally am a man talking to you that sharded his pants when David Johnson was taking one on point oh one. So. I had to oh, the rest of that. We'll be getting counselor on here. I, I, I'm going to make him come on here. There's no way he gets a freebie and gets the pass on doing this. So I'm going to make him explain yeah. his picks to all of can, us. So. Can, I, can I also say in me ripping on that, also say that I, I want to thank the counselor and the expert <laughs> for, for really, no, seriously, like as much as it's fun to rip on this. Uh-huh. Um, those guys jumped into this league when I started it right off the bat. And if it wasn't for Joe and it wasn't for Ari, um, if it wasn't for the counselor and the expert, this thing wouldn't have taken off as, as quickly as it did. I think it still would have been huge. But but Joe has been a big part of it. I just want to give a shout out to the counselor, um, you know, for that because I, I do appreciate all he's put into it and his passion for it. So and, and you and I appreciate you, you know everything you and the nation and uh, the state of mind and the rapper and everybody is you know putting a lot of effort into promoting this thing. And so uh, it's awesome. It's good. It's an awesome league. Well, yeah, that's that's gonna do it for my interview with Smitty. Thank you so much for joining me. I know you're out doing things right now, but uh, when you guys hear me next, it's gonna be another member of the Fantasy Throne League. Ooh, we got a lot of background noise right now. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, next time you guys hear me, you'll I'll be with someone else. Thanks again, Smitty. All right, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Alright guys, that was Smitty from the Fantasy Football Show, and joining me now is Fantasy Football Rapper. What's up, Rapper? What up, what up? So, Rapper's also in the Fantasy Throne League, and uh, I was going to ask him some questions about his draft picks. That his, uh, what, what, what are they called, the Entourage? Yes, sir. Or as you like to call it, team entourage. as you like to call it, the Entourage. <laughs> Oh, you fixed it, though. You fixed it. Uh, okay, I remember you put the R in the wrong spot. Yeah. <laughs> I had to fix that. I was like, what's this guy talking about? And then I remember. Bring me on here to catch me off guard. <laughs> all right. but uh, So you have the 12th pick in the draft. So all these picks are back-to-back. So if one goes before the other, as far as like a pairing, it, you know, it doesn't make a huge difference. So uh, Juju Smith, at the end of the first round, 12th pick, um, and then followed by Nick Chubb in the beginning of the second round. I feel like Nick Chubb's really when people are having some questions, especially with Kareem Hunt. So, uh, what, what's your take on Chubb? Well, my take on Chubb is the same thing as every pick. Um, I go with the best available pa- player, or we go with the best available player. 
Obviously, your followers are a reflection of you. And it was between him and Dalvin Cook. And we went with the safer of the two. Um, Dalvin Cook obviously has the ACL, and he had one in college. And then also, uh, we don't see Kareem Hunt as a threat. It's not like he's going to take Chubb's starting job. In today's NFL, every team has multiple backs. So, uh, if anything, it might affect Duke's touches. But I don't see that affecting Chubb's. If it does, it's going to be, you know, very minuscule. All right, and I well, what's your take with Juju over Jones? Now, I don't have a problem with it. Um, I, I think, you know, sky's the limit for Juju Smith, but uh, is, is there something special about Juju, or is it really just more so a lot of vacated targets, and he's the number one guy for Big Ben? And... Well, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I have a prejudice over players over 30, and I know Julio hasn't had an injury history recently, but it seems like he's always dinged up. For me, mm-hmm. if you're going to draft a guy in the first round, I need a guarantee or as close to a guarantee as one. Juju, Juju's a lot younger. He's going to see as many targets, if not more. He's in the number one throwing offense. And Julio Jones already, we're only in June, is battling a foot injury, which is the same injury he was battling at the end of last year. So he went with the safer player. Yeah. Definitely agree with that. But uh, next pair of picks, we have Philip Lindsay at the end of the third round and Cooper Cup beginning of the fourth. Now, I'm not a big fan of Lindsay. Um, I was looking at some of your stories and stuff, so I saw your argument for it, and uh, I definitely grew up parts of it. But I, I don't know. I, I think it's the injury is a is an issue for me. But um, interested to hear, hear your take because I know he had a fantastic rookie season. He beat all the odds. And uh, it's possible he could do the same again. It's just silly to me, to be honest with you, because one Mm -hmm. of the things I have a problem with is people's assumptions. How in the hell do you go from being the RB13 (laughs) and um, the RB13 seeing 45% of the snaps making the Pro Bowl to all of a sudden, like, you're garbage and you're behind Freeman when the only thing that happened this offseason is that Denver improved. They got better on the offensive line with Jawan James and Dalton Risner. They got the 49ers quarterback coach who's bringing the zone blocking scheme from the Shanahan tree. So how can I think that Lindsey, who the offensive coordinator said he wants to get this guy more in space and he runs a 4-3-5-40, so getting a guy like that in space is deadly so all of a sudden we're gonna downgrade him because he has a risk i don't care about no damn risk Tell, talk to me about no risk talk to me about an acl which i'm sure you're gonna bring up for my next guy Cup. <laughs> yeah. but you know talk to me about that an achilles don't talk to me about no damn risk yeah even johnson had a risk he did just fine his offense sucked but he didn't so I think at the end of the third, he was by far the best value, definitely the best running back. And to be able to get an RB1 at that uh, juncture in the draft, I absolutely love the pick. And I think people are ludicrous to think otherwise. Now, like you said, the next guy I'm going to bring up, Cooper Cup. Uh, you selected Cooper Cup over guys like Amari Cooper, Stefan Diggs, AJ Green. Now, I don't have a problem with Cooper Cup in general. Uh, he was top 10, I believe, in points per game when he was healthy and um that could have been a little inflated because i think one of his last games was like a 40 point game 
but um, it still means something. So I don't hate the cup pick, but uh, tell me a little bit more about coming off an ACL late in the season, why you chose Cooper Cup in the beginning of the fourth round. Well, again, he's my wide receiver, too. Had he been my wide receiver, one, I would not have done that. I would have went with Amari Cooper or something like that. But Cooper Cup, before his first injury, because he sprained his MCL and then he tore his ACL, before his first injury, he was number four in PPR the first six weeks, I believe. And he led the league in touchdowns. So I like to get players on the come up. Cooper Cup fits that mold. He's fucking huge. This guy, if you see him on the screen, he just pops out. Yes, he tore his ACL, but so did Jordy Nelson. And Jordy Nelson came back the following year at the age of 30 and led the NFL in touchdowns. So if he was a running back, I'd be more concerned. I have not seen any reason to believe a receiver cannot come back. Allen Robinson might have not had the best year last year, but it wasn't because of his ACL. It was more because Mitch Trubisky spreads the ball, and he's not that ver- he's not that good to begin with. So... Uh, I felt safe with the pick, and he was by far uh, the player that gave us the most upside. You know, Amari Cooper, Stefan Diggs, all those guys you mentioned, they're usually boom or bust. And Dak Prescott, his numbers are always there at the end of the season, but I notice he'll, he'll have some games where he craps the bed, and that's going to affect Cooper's production. I don't want those those you know games where they just score like you know five or six points. I hate that, and I don't think Cooper Cup can have that type of game as opposed to Amari and Stefan Diggs that tend to do that from time to time. Now, my, my only argument against Cup is, uh, I know you're talking about Jordy Nelson, but Cooper Cup, I think he got injured like week eight, week nine. So I, th- I think it'll really be a matter of how his rehab goes and how ready he'll be for the season. Because then at that point, similar to what we saw with Delvin Cook last year, um, Cooper Cup could have some trouble with soft tissue injuries and stuff like that. But I mean, if he's good to go, you, that's a well, great this is the pick. thing, okay? Mm-hmm. So check this out. So about Cooper Cup, and mind you guys, I'm one of those, I'm obsessed. I hate injury-prone <laughs> players. So I dig into this stuff more than anybody you can ever imagine, and I just didn't see a reason for concern. First of all, Dalvin Cook, that team was just dumb. I mean, the first game, he had like four I'll agree with that for like sure. the first series, okay? Plus, running backs, they have to do a lot more cutting. They put a lot more pressure on their knees. That's that's the other thing. And the last thing, Cooper Cup is not a speed guy. If he was a guy like T.Y. Hilton that runs a 4-3-5 and has to rely on those, you know, speed as being the, 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 the main component of his game. But Cooper Cup's a 4-6-5 type of guy uh, on the 40 time. And he relies more on using his body to overpower these smaller slot corners. So it's more of a physicality thing. He's a red zone threat. So I felt good taking him where he was. And you know what? If he's a complete bust, I don't think he will be. He's not my wide receiver one. We can take that sort of risk. And for me, he was he presented the best uh, player available. And, and Entourage was all for it as well. All right, I can get on board with that. But, um, okay, so these next couple of picks, ooh, I was very, very angry that you took Coleman. I was, I, I had a feeling you were one of the guys who were high on him. I know Smitty's a little high on him too, but uh, I, I was really hoping he was going to drop a little bit farther. Um, Tevin Coleman, I think one of my favorite sleepers going into next season. Uh, Kenyon Drake also, you know, could be a very sneaky pick at running back. So, uh, 
your running back room right now, uh, including Royce Freeman at the end, you have Nick Chubb, Philip Lindsay, Tevin Coleman, Kenyon Drake, and Royce Freeman. So I think that's a really, really great running back group. But is there anything you want to add on Tevin Coleman or Kenyon Drake real quick? No, I mean, I like getting players on, on, on dope offenses. And, mm-hmm. you know, he has the history with Shanahan. McKinnon's still hurt. Breida's always getting hurt and not nearly as good as pass catcher as Coleman or McKinnon. It was just, again, it was the best player available. And I'm very giddy on Tevin Coleman because we saw a guy like Monster, who they got off the street, average almost eight yards per carry behind that zone scheme and niner uh, 49er offensive line that's one of the best in the league. So imagine what Coleman could do with his 4-3-5 speed plus his pass catching ability plus his familiarity with the Shanahan system. They're saying they're lining him up all over the place. I think he's a surefire. Anybody that thinks that, you know, this is going to be some huge committee with three or four running backs is sadly mistaken. That's never happened in the NFL and never will. It's Coleman's job, plus he'll be the goal linebacker. I mean, it's a slam dunk, and if you think otherwise, which you don't, but a lot of people out here are not. Like, the analysts are on board with me, and Smitty actually, I talked him into liking Coleman because mm-hmm. he, he didn't know Coleman was that good, and then he looked up the stats, he was like, yeah, you're right. But um, I love Coleman, and I think Drake, you know, he's like a Coleman clone, sort of. He's going to get about, you know, 10 carries, but he's going to do his damage primarily um in the passing game i don't think he's going to get as many goal line touches as coleman but between one of those two one of those two is going to be an every week starter and maybe i'll rotate him so i absolutely love the value on where i got both of those guys yeah i just want to add on coleman i mean if it ends up being a split like you said i don't know if it's it's so rare that it's going to be three or four running backs i mean they can't even like a they have they can only dress a certain amount of guys for game day, and I don't think they're going to go in with four running backs every single week. So, um, does it... I think Kim, to be honest with you, I think McKinnon gets cut. I don't see any reason why you would pay McKinnon, especially with this contract. Million. You know what I'm saying? It's just pointless when you got Coleman, who's basically the same guy, and then you still got Breida, and you sign Monster. To me, I think McKinnon gets cut. Yeah, I mean, if that happens, I feel like everybody's going to be all over Coleman. So maybe for our sake and our other leagues, it may be better if he doesn't get cut so we can keep getting him at this value. But uh, your last two picks, Royce Freeman. Um, now, I heard you talking before how the intention of getting Freeman wasn't to handcuff with Lindsay, more so because you think both of these guys can be effective in this offense. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead and touch on that. Um, I don't believe in handcuffs. I hate handcuffs. I think they're wasted roster spots. So that's number one. So Freeman is not a handcuff. If he was a handcuff, I wouldn't pick him in the eighth round. Um, what Freeman is, is he's an every week flex for the, I like Freeman for the same reasons I like Lindsay, the big offensive line, the zone scheme, the quarterback's coach from the Niners. Freeman is a talented guy. He's a big boy. But he runs a 4-5-4-40. I keep bringing 40 time. As you can tell, speed is very important to me. But, you know, to be able to run that speed with that type of blocking up front, and he's a very underrated pass catcher. So at very least, he can be a flex, possibly an RB2. And if something were to happen to Lindsey, he can be an RB1. In that offense, Joe Flacco loves passing to the, to the running backs. 
the, the offensive corner love, uh, loves throwing to the running backs. He should probably be or will probably be the, the goal line back, and he'll probably split carries evenly. I, I think they're going to do the same thing they did last year as far as the touches. You know, Lindsey's going to get 45%. Uh, you know, Freeman will get 40%, and then maybe like 20% to to Devontae Booker or whatever. So I think that's what the split's going to be like. And, and a lot of people don't realize this, that there's basically no true workhorse in the NFL. And you don't need to get 100% of the snaps because, first of all, that doesn't happen. And second of all, you know... Unless you're Christian McCaffrey from last year. Oof, that yeah, was yeah, Christian McCaffrey. He's the <laughs> exception. But, um, but you get what I'm saying. I'm sure you yeah. know, there's even talks they want to cut him back a little bit. So I think you could be still a great fantasy player um, if you're efficient with your touches. Yeah, and I mean, I think another thing, too, to add for this whole Denver offense is uh, they have Mike Munchak now, who was the offensive line coach for the Steelers for, I don't even know for how long, but they've had one of the best offensive lines for years and years and years, and a big part of that is because of Mike Munchak, and especially, like you were saying before, the new weapons they have on that offensive line, Dalton Risner, and uh, who's the other guy they added? Uh, Lawan James. Lawan James. So, Jawan James. Jawan, sorry. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that definitely bodes well for the offensive line. And I think Joe Flacco may be a little bit better of a game manager than Case Keenum. So He's much better. Like, yeah, look, Flacco is not the best, but, like, he's a big upgrade over, over Case Keenum. And the other thing is, you know, when you get the right coordinator calling the plays – and he's got weapons. That's the thing. Like Denver, Denver's a sneaky team. I think they're going to be a playoff team. You got if Sanders comes back, great. If he doesn't, they still got Hamilton in the slot. You got Tim Patrick, who's underrated. Cortland Sutton, I think, is due for a big year. Plus mm-hmm. the running backs and the rookie Noah Font. Like he's got weapons, an offensive line, a coordinator. Like everything's set up for Denver to be pretty good on offense. And let's just touch up on your. Other pick real quick, Dante Pettis. Uh, I also really, really like this pick. He was someone I was gunning for, but, you know, an expert draft, you can't expect to get all the guys you want. So, um, yeah, just go into Pettis by a little bit and we'll... we'll oh, man, it. this guy, you know... <laughs> and he has wide receiver one upside. I'm not saying he's going to be a wide receiver one. I'm not that ignorant. But he has that upside. This guy is unguardable. You cannot cover him, and I just found out he added weight because that was the knock on him. He was a little, you know, scrawny or whatever. You could line him up inside in the slot. You could not line him up outside. They're going to move him around. Again, potent offense. He's a number one guy. I've heard some guys say, what about Goodwin? Goodwin is not a, even a starter. It's going to be Debo. It's going to be, uh, what's his name? Goodwin is going to be like, you know, their deep home run th- hitter, mm-hmm. wide receiver three or four. I think even Jalen Hurd will be ahead of him. So not worried about Goodwin. And, again, potent offense. They love this guy. They love what they're seeing out of him this summer. I think at the very minimum he'll be a wide receiver too. And he has that ceiling for a one. All right. Well, you've made it. How many rounds are we at right now on the drive? We're eight rounds in. Still don't have a QB or a tight end. Uh, any specific guys you're targeting for me to snipe ahead of you? No, I mean I, I don't value either position. Okay. So um, not that I'd say that I w- that you know that what I my intention were, but to be honest with you, I you know there's several guys that are still available, so I, I'm not worried about it. This especially in this league where the touchdowns are only four points, so uh, I had to go with the positions that win you leagues, 
and that's the uh, running backs and receivers. So I'll worry about that other stuff later. All right, sounds good. Well, thanks for joining me and uh, talking about your teams. And um, next time you guys hear from me, it'll be someone else. Not sure who. I think it's going to be expert. But, uh, yeah, thanks again for joining me. All right, brother. Thanks for having me. All right. Later. All right, guys, it's Analyst again, and I'm back with Fantasy Football Expert this time. So we had the show first, uh, we had Rapper second, and now we have Expert. How you doing, Expert? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing all right. All right. And uh, we, so it's like before I've interviewed each one of these guys, I've told them, you know, I try to keep it under five minutes, but if you guys are listening right now, you realize that Rapper and show went on a little bit of a tangent by themselves, so... Whatever happens, happens at this point. It might be a pretty long podcast, but that's all right. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, expert, about some of your picks. So first you went Devonta Adams at nine, which a lot of people are kind of torn between Hopkins and Adams as their wide receiver one. Do you have a preference? Uh, no, I think it's super, super close. Uh, I can understand arguments for both sides. For me, it's Hopkins right now just based off of talent alone. Mm-hmm. But... You can't argue with Adams either. Uh, with Rodgers only having 25 touchdowns last year, I think he can only go up from here. Adams is already top two archer last year with a down year for Rodgers, and I think he'll get back up in like the 33 to 38 range minimum. So it's su- it's super, super close between the two. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think I'd take Hopkins a little bit too just because like no matter who's playing quarterback for him, he's always gotten it done. He's played, I think, right. 16 games the last three years or so. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so there's there's a lot to like about both these guys. Can't go wrong with Adams. I'd probably make the same pick there. I mean, I can't yeah, blame I for that one. I don't always go with talent, but I think when it's, it's that close, that's why I give the slightest to Hopkins. But it's you know, I think you can make an argument for either one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely could. But uh, next up, you have James Connors, who a lot of people are, are kind of mixed on. Um, some people are expecting maybe a little bit of committee for the first time. But what's your take on Connor? I, f- I feel like you're one of those guys who uh, are kind of see- view him as a top 10 running back. Uh, yeah, I personally wanted Dalvin Cook at that spot. Mm-hmm. And so did the people in my Discord chat. But James Connor won the vote on my poll by like 400 votes, I believe. Wow. So I just figure I like, couldn't go against that. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of hard like, to argue with. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like completely down Connor this season, but at the same time, I do believe that the committee talks a little overblown. Uh, he was like a top six running back, so I'm missing like a few games. I, I do think that Jalen Samuels will uh, take some of the passing down work mm-hmm. just because he's a former tight end, and he's I think he do it. I do think he's a better pass catcher, but I still think. Connor's going to see 15 to 18 touches a game in total, and behind the offensive line, I still he's I want to say he's my running back 10 or 11 overall right now, so he's like borderline top 10. But I think he can. I do think he's getting slept on a little bit. I think first round I'm avoiding him this year, but I think second round is just about right if you, especially if you go Hopkins or Adams round one. Yeah, I I can agree with that. But do you think Benny Snell is going to be a factor at all? Uh, I'm not looking at talking about him, but I personally don't like. I haven't seen something. I, like, I haven't seen something from him that will lead me to believe that he'll have a huge impact. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are talking about him taking goal line snaps, but Connor was extremely efficient in turning uh, the carries you saw last year into the five yard line, two touchdowns, and he weighs more. And I, just, yeah, until I see something, I don't. I don't. I personally don't believe it, but we'll see. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the thing for uh, rookie running backs each year is that uh, they see the field at some point. Now, I, I don't think uh, Snell's going to take a huge role. I, like you said, I mean, there's nothing wrong with Connor to make you take him off the field. Like, there has to be a reason to throw Benny Snell onto the field. So. Yeah, I, I definitely think Snell can produce well if Connor was to go down, which to, for me, the handcuff for Connor is Snell, just because I, I don't view Sam as anything more than the passing down back. So mm-hmm. Snell is the handcuff for me. Just cause, and I do think he can do damage if Connor's go down, but I think it would take an injury for him to have a big year one role. Yeah, and I don't think there's enough evidence on Connor to call him injury prone just because of one injury last right, year yeah, either. It's like so. three games, or yeah. Yeah. So uh, next couple guys, Marlon Mack, you took uh, the ninth pick in the third round, and then AJ Green, the fourth pick of the fourth round, which I thought was great value there. I mean, is there anything you wanted to add on those two guys? Uh, I mean, at that spot, I'm just huge on them both of them this year. Mack, the three-down back, behind like a, one of the best offensive lines and best offenses in the league. I do think, I think the he didn't catch a ton of passes last year, but when he was on the field, during the last like six games last year, he averaged like almost 20 touches a game, and I think that will continue into this year. He didn't, he didn't see a ton of receiving work, but I think he's the, be, he's the best pass protector in that backfield, mm-hmm. so I think by default, He'll be on the field more in third downs, so I think he'll catch a, a, a little more. Like he'll see a little more action in the passing game this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the four game, I, I'm going off the top of my head, but I believe it was like in the four games, Marlon Mack missed nine. Hines caught like seven passes on eight targets per game, and in the twelve games Mack played, that dipped dramatically down to I think it was three targets per game for and only two receptions from uh, Hines. So. There is a small history on Mac, but it's not something I'm concerned about. And I think as long as Mac's healthy, he's going to be th- the three-down back in that offense. And everything that the Colts mentioned has said this offseason has said that they think he can handle the load and he'll be the workhorse this season. So I think you can't go wrong with Mac. Although I don't think he's the most talented running back, but I think mm-hmm. beyond the offensive line in that offense, I think he'll see plenty of opportunity to be a top 10 and 12 running back. And I think with A.J. Green as well is. I mean, in the fourth round, uh, this is a guy who's been talked about a top 10 wide receiver over the last couple of years. So, I mean, with the new offense with Zach Taylor and, you know, among other things, I think as long as A.J. Green can stay healthy, you got yourself like a great steal as your wide receiver, too, in the fourth round. So, yeah, yeah, I understand an injury concern, but I felt it was at that point in the fourth round is worth the risk. Exactly. I think he was on pace for like. 1400 yards last year before he got hurt in like week nine i think it was or week 10 week nine or ten so i think yes there's injury concerns but i feel like at some point you have to pull the trigger on these guys and i felt the fourth round was worth the risk for green for sure and i mean especially because the guys right in front of him mark cooper stefan diggs cooper cup um the best guys available at that point were like tyreek hill yep. was there brandon cooks robert woods yeah so. they have all they have their concerns in terms of inconsistency and injuries too so yeah no um, Interesting here, uh, James White in the fifth round. I do like James White. I was actually hoping to see if maybe he'd fall to uh, the sixth round where we actually ended up taking Geis. But um, tell me a little bit more about James White. I mean, I know he was a borderline running back one, if not a... I I think he was a running back one in PPR. He was like the seventh best running back. Yeah, um, yeah. So do you feel like that's going to continue into the following year? Or do you see like digression but still running back two, running back three worthy? Yeah, I mean, he's also not the most flashy pick, and I understand the stance of 
like avoiding Patriots backs, but I think that's to, for me, that's more in terms of like the early down work. Uh, I think White White was the number ten running back last year, and he caught a career high eighty seven passes. I do think he'll have some question because I'm not expecting, I'm not drafting him, expecting him to finish in the top seven or even top twelve. But I think he's the one back in that backfield that has his role secured in the passing downs. I know they brought in uh, Damian Harris, but I personally don't. I didn't see much from him in the receiving game at Alabama, so for me, he's going to affect more Sonny Michelle in the early downs than James White, who I think I think he'll, he'll definitely... I don't think he'll catch almost 90 passes again this year, but I think he's the one running back in that backfield in PPR leagues who you can rely on as a guy who will give you a safe floor every week in PPR. I believe like it was only like two or three games, maybe four, that he had single-digit points last year. And I feel like he'll he'll give you that safe floor in PPR leagues, but he also had like five, four or five like twenty point game up there. So if he finds the end zone, like he has he has the safe floor, but also the upside if he can find the end zone. So that's it, it might have been a tad bit early, like maybe sixth round, but we just wanted to secure, we felt our team had some risk in the first round, so we just wanted to grab somebody who will give us a safe floor every week in PPR. Yeah, especially because. I mean, after that, um, before your next pick, Miles Sanders off the board, Chris Carson, Sonny Michelle, Daryl Henderson, Mark Ingram, Lamar Miller. So what would have been available at the uh, roundabout definitely would have been a different story. Or am I looking the wrong way? I'm looking the wrong direction. Either way, Tariq Cohen, yeah, yeah. Tevin Coleman, and Kenyon Drake also went. So and your best and option. I also wanted to mention that mm-hmm. I believe it was only one week last year Outside of one week last year, uh, White led the backfield in snap percentage every week. So, I think he's the he'll he'll he'll, he'll like consistently see the field for 50, 60 percent of the snaps each game. So I think he also has that. Whereas Michelle, Michelle's snap percentage kind of vary a little bit game to game a little more. Whereas White is more consistent. So that's the other thing that I think. Although it is a crowded backfield, he'll still I think he'll still lead the backfield in snaps most weeks, if not every week during the season. Yeah, and I mean, as a Patriots fan, um, I know that there are just times where when the Patriots are ready to throw the ball, Michelle's off the field, James White is the guy, and I mean, he could rack up like 10 points on one drive just from catching a little, especially in PPR, a little pass takes it for five or six yards, especially in third downs. I mean, that's that's when they get work done. I mean, they have James White coming on the outside, unexpected, he gets the ball, just scrambles for that third down. So, um, yeah, I mean can't complain about the white pick uh let's sum up your two wide receivers and then we'll go into penny so mike williams and larry fitzgerald i mean great value when you got it and i've looked at all these teams over and over you still don't have a quarterback or a tight end but um you know i know the rapper also said he's waiting on that a little bit but i do Uh like all the picks that you did put together i mean I i can't think of a scenario where i'd pick someone else in your shoes uh Maybe I would have picked Tevin Coleman or Kenyon Drake instead of White, but everyone else I completely agree yeah. with. So what's your take on Williams and Fitzgerald? Oh, uh, yeah. For a tight end this past round, we were debating between Austin Hooper, who I'm big on this season, or Fitzgerald. But since it's a three-wide receiver league, mm-hmm. we decided just to go find... I think Fitzgerald, I definitely think he has at least one more good year left in him. I know, like like White, he was the most flashy pick at the time, but mm-hmm. we... We've, uh, AJ Green obviously carries some injury risk, and Mike Williams will get to also carry some risk to an extent. So he's one of the kind of a safe, uh, like, wide receiver four in case something happened to one of the two. 
Obviously, Fitzgerald didn't have the best year last year, but he's only one year removed from, I think it was three straight 1,000-yard seasons. And to me, last year, despite his age, I think last year is more his overall offense for his struggles, not his age. I think he'll, in this Cliff Kingsbury offense, that will spread the field out. I'm expecting him to be the safety blanket for Fitzgerald after this, out of the slot. And I, I like Christian Kirk as well. I definitely think Kirk can lead the team in targets, but I think Fitzgerald will be a lot more consistent and he'll be a lot safer. That's what we were looking for at that point. And then with Mike Williams, he obviously he had 10 touchdowns last season, but he didn't have a huge role other than the touchdowns. And I think with Tyrell Williams, uh, I definitely think his role will expand up to... He had 66 targets last year, so he can get, get into like the range of like 80 to 90 this year. So with with Hunter Henry back, I do see some regression in the terms of the red zone usage, but I think the Tyra Williams departure will outweigh the Hunter Henry return in terms of over oh, in terms of his overall overall usage, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I definitely think I'll have regression in terms of touchdowns, but I think we'll see him rise in terms of receptions and yardage this year. So, like I did, I do think he might be a little inconsistent on a week to week basis, but we felt the value in the sixth round was hard to pass him based on who else is available and then we feel like Larry Fitzgerald when I say we I mean we as a community yeah uh, Larry Fitzgerald will give us a safe floor in case something happens to Mike Williams or he has a mad, bad matchup or something or Adrian gets hurt or something like that for sure and the last guy I want to touch on Rashad Penny I know you're a Seattle fan but yeah. uh, I also know this is more than just being a Seattle fan obviously it's yeah, a decision made by the community and yeah. I, I couldn't think of a better pick at that point, especially if you're going towards a running back. So uh, di- dive into a little bit on Penny. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm i still expecting Carson to lead the early downs, but the Seahawks showed us last season that they didn't want him to like be a workhorse or anything, and he, got hit. And he does have his injury history, so that plays a part in it too. Uh, I mean, the Seahawks invested a first-round pick on Rashad Penny for a reason, and I don't think that... Uh, they invested a pick, that pick on him for him to sit on the bench. He's definitely the more dynamic player between him and Carson, so I, I definitely think even if Carson stays healthy, I still think he possesses flex appeal in PPR leagues with his like just dynamic explosiveness and mm-hmm. uh, receiving ability that we saw from him last season. So I I think even if Carson, Carson stays healthy, I still think Penny uh, possesses flex appeal in PPR leagues. So as a number four running back at that point, we couldn't pass up on that. Uh, it is a three-wide receiver league, but the wide receiver position, wide receiver position is obviously way deeper, mm-hmm. and we want to secure our four running backs early so that we can focus on uh, wide receiver depth and then also our quarterback and tight end coming up. And so um, if, uh, if Chris Carson were to go down, we feel that Penny could be a top-12 running back in that run-heavy Seahawks offense especially in PPR leagues with his pass-catching ability. And even if Carson was to go was to stay healthy all year, which as a CX fan I'm hoping for, uh, he can mm-hmm. still, he'll, still, he'll still give you top 25 appeal, I think, or in that range. Yeah, especially in offense that's just all about running the ball. And they said yeah, they were yeah. not going to change that, even with adding DK Metcalf and uh, yeah. giving Russell and with, Wilson a big contract. And with Russell Wilson's ability to make something happen out of nothing, Penny can definitely be his just dump off pass once he avoids mm-hmm. a sack and runs around for five seconds and we saw that a couple times last season as well and i mean a, bi- a big thing about chris carson is his run style too because he's just an all-out yeah. 
you know, he'll just keep going for that extra yardage and put himself in danger. So, uh, I mean, there's never a sure thing any player gets hurt in the league, but the way he runs makes it think, like, uh, maybe he will. So, uh, just want to say thank you for joining me for this uh, interview. And uh, I'm not sure who we're going to have on next. I think State of Mind is going to come on and talk about his two tight ends, so that might be fun. But, uh, yeah, thanks again, expert, and uh, we'll see you guys when I come back. All right, what's up, guys? So I'm back again with, I believe this is the fourth interview I'll be doing on this podcast. Um, We might cut it after four, and if anybody else wants to do it, we'll have another podcast started. But I'm here with Fantasy Football State of Mind. What's up, State? Hey, what's going on? I'm doing well, doing well, Joey. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for taking the time coming on here with me. Um, so the reason everybody's here is everybody's here is to defend their picks. Rapper got to defend his Philip Lindsay, Nick Chubb. Uh, show got to defend Daryl Henderson. That took 10 minutes long. And uh, Expert was able to go over his <laughs> picks. And now, starting off with their first pick, Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, you probably weren't even expecting to get one of the top four running backs, but counselor taking David Johnson first or overall was a huge break for you. And I mean, even if Zeke suspended the one year, he was missed six games, six games, and he still finishes the top ten running back. So uh, can't go wrong with Zeke. Yeah, this, this pick was pretty self-explanatory um, going into the draft. Obviously, when you have the five spot, you're pretty much mentally preparing yourself for maybe a DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Melvin Gordon's decision. So once that that pick was in with with Joe, I was pretty ecstatic because uh, <laughs> I, I was more than more than happy to take any of the top four running backs that fell to me. So you know, not, not, not a lot of controversy on that pick. Obviously, uh, Zeke is someone who over the last three years leads the NFL in rushing yards, and I'm a firm believer that he is going to um, make a run for the 2,000 yard club this year. So I'm, I'm thrilled about that. And now, not not so much a first pick, but the next two picks that really. Uh... Or maybe just the third pick, I guess, because nothing wrong with the second pick. I guess it's the third paired with the second that caused a lot of controversy. But for those who don't know, in the Fantasy Throne League, State of Mind went, or in his community, went Travis Kelsey with the eighth pick of the second round and followed by Zach Ertz in the fifth pick of the third round. So back-to-back high-tier tight ends. And before you go into it, I just want to say, I believe there was one year... Two years ago, in my big money league, I actually had Gronk and Ertz, and um, I mean, if it was, I won the championship that year. It worked out really, really great. And the biggest thing I feel like, especially going to the season, if you're good at the waiver wire, you'll get more wide receivers, you'll get more running backs, and then you'll have a huge positional advantage, and you have trade bait. So that's just my feeling with it. But I want to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, um, I mean. Even dating back a few years ago, if you remember, obviously Jimmy Graham and his prime with the Saints and Gronk mm-hmm. when he was making his tear. I mean, but both of those guys were arguably uh, first round picks. So those were those are people that were going middle of the first round, early second round, almost year after year after year. Um, for whatever reason, this year the tight end position um, not not that it's been undervalued. But we're definitely not seeing these top guys go as high as years past. So when I'm looking at this, and I've been a big proponent of the tight end position um, this this year. If you look at the tight end position, um, Travis Kelsey was the number one, obviously number one tight end last year and has been for the last three years. But the difference between tight end one 
and tight end five, which was Jared Cook last year, is 100 fantasy points, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at that on, on the flip side from the receiver side, the difference between wide receiver one, which is DeAndre Hopkins, and then wide receiver five is only 10 fantasy points. So when I'm looking at this and, and, and I'm looking at the tight end position, there is such a value in having these top three guys. Uh, so going back to my decision there, and I felt my community, my community kind of felt the same way because I've been talking about this all summer. Is if we can get a guy like Zach Ertz in the third round, who's essentially a wide receiver one, then you know, position aside, that's going to give you a week to week advantage if we can just throw Zach Ertz in the flex spot. Mm-hmm. So I really was not looking at Zach Ertz at all as a tight end, and more just overall fantasy points. And when I looked at the players that were available at the time, obviously AJ Green was there. Uh, he hasn't played a, season, a full season in over three years. Uh, obviously, just approaching the age of 30, there's some issues there. Uh, if we're looking at Adam Thielen, he was someone who got off to a major hot start last year with uh, eight straight 100-yard receiving performances and then kind of fizzled off towards the end. Um, obviously, Stephon Diggs and him are in a bit of a timeshare. So when I was looking at all those three options, they're obviously the best available. I'm looking at Zach Ertz as someone who just coming off um, obviously 116 reception season broke the NFL record and with Carson Wentz coming back full healthy this offense is going to be full go and I expect Zach Ertz to once again lead the uh, tight end threshold in receptions again and finish as a uh, top 12 fantasy wide receiver from just an overall point standpoint so that's my philosophy man what do you think Joey? Now when I'm looking at the guys who were taken right before you took Ertz and right after, um, you kind of start to think of like, you know, if you want to go for best value and best player available, some of the guys that went just before you picked, I mean, Damian Williams, Keenan Allen, Patrick Mahomes. So if you, Nick Chubb was gone and the next best running back then off the board was Leonard Fournette. So it's like, if you wanted to look towards another position, you, it's not a reach, but it's not necessarily uh, returning value with any other position. Like, there's an argument for Adam Thielen, but uh, any other position you could have taken there would have just been uh, to fill a need, not so much to get the most value out of that player. So that's why I really, I actually do like that Ertz pick in the third round because, I mean, it's right. best player available at that point. And uh, like I said, yeah, I, I won really the championship. Is. I won the championship a couple years ago and I had Ertz and Gronk. So, I mean, it worked. Surprisingly, it works out really well. If you can play the waiver well enough, I mean, it's not going to be easy in like this type of league with all these guys in it. But if you can play the waiver really well, you can add those guys later in the year and you'll be fine and you'll have the positional advantage. You'll have, what is it, like 25 points in your flex every single week. So that's yep. definitely that's not... That's exactly my, my philosophy, man. But I got a lot of heat from it. I think more than anything, it just looks bad. So mm-hmm. if you look at your roster and you kind of give it kind of that eyeball test, you're like, it just looks a little odd. Yeah. And I completely understand that. But at the end of the day, once we get into these week-to-week matchups and, and my boy Zach Ertz is, is lighting up my flex spot and beating out the Leonard Fournette's of the world and the <laughs> and those guys, <laughs> then I, I think that I'm going to silence the doubters a little bit, that's for sure. And uh, after the tight ends, uh, the biggest reason a lot of people probably aren't too much of a fan of taking two tight ends that early is because... Uh, you really lack depth after that. So your running back two is Sonny Michelle, and uh, which I mean could flip either way. Personally, I'm a Patriots man. Um, I really do like Sony. A lot of people are saying Damian Harris is 
going to have competition to be the guy, but I don't know. I, don't, I really don't see it. Sonny Michel was so efficient last year, especially in the playoffs. They really rode off of him, but we've seen them drive away from guys like that in the past, like Jonas Gray. I don't know if you remember when he had that four touchdown, 200-yard game against Indy, and then we never saw him again, but uh, first-round pick, it's a little different. I don't know. I'm a little torn on Sony. Personally, I like him. And then as your running back three, you have Ronald Jones, which could be hit or miss. But if he's the guy in Arian's offense, you might have gotten a steal. So uh, is there anything you want to add on those two guys? No, I, I think uh, you touched a little bit on the Sony Michelle news. And you being a Patriots fan, I know you you pretty much observe the Patriots a little bit more than yeah. the average fan. But um, one thing one thing is true with Sony Michelle. Um, based on what we saw during the postseason last year, it, it, is, it, is, it is proven that, that the Patriots like to rely on the players that they trust. Mm-hmm. And Sonny Michel proved it last postseason, right? He averaged over 112 rushing yards per game. He combined for six touchdowns. Um, he, he, he was a big factor in the Super Bowl. Um, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick aren't going to go away from that. Not only did they invest the first-round pick in, uh, last year in Sonny Michel, but what he was able to do and the production that he was able to establish last season as a rookie is gonna is gonna prove to be very valuable this year. And the thing with the Patriots, and as you know very well, they're extremely efficient as it relates to running running efficiency when on goal to goal situations. Mm-hmm. So these guys pound it, pound the rock um, when they're down there in scoring position more than any other team over the last three years combined. We saw LeGarrette Blunt. What was it? Nineteen touchdowns in twenty sixteen. I think it was eighteen yeah. touchdowns over a thousand yards. Um, yep. Not, not too much of the passing Blunt. game, but he was still what, like a top fifteen, top ten running back. That's right, and that was that, that's LeGarrette Blunt. This isn't a first round, uh, well established pick like Sony Michelle. Um, who's you know only 24 years old and now so, not to mention the uh, offense wants to go more towards uh preserving tom brady and run heavy which is why right. they invested i mean i i can't i don't remember the last time i've ever seen the patriots go uh running back and offensive line in the first round i think the last time they took a running back the first round was it been jarvis green ellis in like the late yep. the like, late 2000s oh eight, yeah like oh eight, <laughs> something like that but um exactly man Exactly. So, 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 so a, lot, a lot of what you just mentioned is, is part of the reason why I'm a big believer in Sonny Michel. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm of the belief that he will lead the NFL in rushing touchdowns in 2019. So if I, if I get somebody with that much upside in the fifth round, I think that is amazing, especially if I can get Damian Harris here in maybe the coming round or a round afterwards. Um, a, a lot's to be made of him, but, you know, it, it, it's just depth. And, you know, the, the, the Patriots just love acquiring running backs. And um, but, but there's two things that are true. One is Sony, Sony Michelle's role, and two, it's James White and the passing down. So um, I'm, I'm good on that. But I, I like it. I like the pick. And another thing for the Patriots is uh, a big thing with them is ball security and being able to trust their runner ba- running backs. And Michelle only had one fumble on 209 attempts, which is – not bad at all, so uh, I'll definitely take that. I mean, as opposed to eh, some of the other guys are pretty similar, but still. It was were, pretty... you, were you surprised that he fell that far, just out of curiosity? Sonny Michelle? Yeah, or do you think that that's kind of a fair value where, where he's where he's going currently? Um. Well, see, when we had the third pick in the fifth round, uh, I was, you know, I, I was still a little back and forth in Sonny Michelle. I would have liked to get him as best value possible, I'm not surprised he fell to the fifth round just because of the general consensus of him and uh, what a lot of people, how a lot of people feel about him. 
But, um, you know, I, I, I was expecting him to go at least in the fourth, especially because of how early are these running backs. But it is a three-wide receiver league, so that could be another reason why. But uh, speaking of wide receivers, some of the guys you grabbed, Brandon Cooks, Robbie Anderson, and Will Fuller. Um, how do you feel about Will Fuller? The, the, the three receivers that are the, they're the most uh, kind of a boom or bust on a week-to-week basis, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, in going uh, with the two tight ends um, a little early, obviously that leaves me a little bit handicapped at the receiver position. I mean, Brandon Cooks is somebody who has exceeded 1,000 yards over the last four seasons. Of course, his, his production is very um, up and down, mm-hmm. but when, when the philosophy behind that is really – if I can get stability from Zeke, Michelle, Ertz, and Travis Kelsey on a week-to-week basis, one of these receivers has the ability to just really go off, right? So if it's if it's Brandon Cooks week, then then I'll take his twenty-five points. If it's a Will Fuller week, if it's a Robbie Anderson week, and Robbie Anderson, someone that I expect uh, can break out this year, just in, in in how he finished last year and the development of Sam Darnold. And obviously the acquisition of Le'Veon Bell, I think uh, Robbie Anderson is somebody that people are really going to be shocked by. So my receivers, although obviously they, they don't look amazing on paper, um, but when you just couple them with the Ertz and the Travis Kelseys of the world, um, I, I, I think it has a good makeup, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I like the way you modeled your team to where, I mean, a lot of people think of a cookie-cutter fantasy roster of, you know, you need a certain amount of running backs, secure your running backs early, get uh, efficient wide receivers. But you can survive on a week-to-week basis with a couple guys anchoring your team and then just having these, like you are saying, like it's having a lot of hit-or-miss guys. And if one of those guys hit, then it could win you your week. And if you have three guys like that, then you have a chance to win every week as long as one of them goes off. So, uh, yeah, I mean... Exactly. You got Ezekiel Elliott holding it down, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz in there. So, I mean, I like you said, with the eye test, you first look at the team, but you have to kind of take it in a little bit more. You can't think of it as too much of a cookie cutter team because it's not. And it right. could. And like, look, there there are things that can go wrong. Sony Michelle can not be as productive as we're hoping, and uh, you know, if Zach Ertz or Travis Kelsey gets hurt then you could really be crippled in that, you know, because that's a third or second round pick and you have two tight ends, so you don't exactly have the depth to cover up for it. But you know what? It's yeah. it's fantasy football. If you're not taking a risk, you're not playing it right. So, <laughs> Especially in this league, right? So, yeah. so I mean, you, I think you really got to go kind of kind of haymakers in this, in this league if you intend to win it. So that was kind of the philosophy around the team build. I know it's awfully risky. Um, but at the end of the day, if your first, second, or third round pick go down in any league, then you're, then, then you're screwed. So, <laughs> or regardless of what players you have. So, um, I'm okay with it, man. I'm, I'm, I, th- I think these next four rounds are really going to be crucial in, um, in really kind of building around this, right? So, I'm definitely, obviously, you just mentioned Damian Harris. Um, no surprise that I'm going to be targeting him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, man. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I'm I'm, I'm okay with it. I think the Ronald Jones pick is kind of this dark horse pick as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the starting running back in a Bruce Arians offense definitely has some value. Although Ronald Jones was pitiful last year, I do think he is uh, of the most talent in that backfield. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, and I mean, from now it's like we can either see Ronald Jones make a total comeback 
or he could just continue to flop and just not be that guy. I, I really don't think there's a middle ground for Ronald Jones. Um, he could really either like take off or just totally disappoint. And if he takes off, then you're, you're set. And if he doesn't, right. what is this, round eight? So it's not a huge, no, huge deal. So Exactly, man. All right, well, I appreciate you coming on, talking about your team. And uh, for those of you listening right now, this is probably going to do it for this part of the podcast. Um, I'm going to do a second part. I'm going to add a couple more guys on here. But, yeah, thanks for joining. Anything you wanted to add? No, no, I appreciate you having me on, man. And uh, I look forward to seeing how uh, both our rosters shape up towards the end of this. Just a, just a quick question. We'll end on this. But what do you think of my team? Have you seen my full team? Uh, yeah, man. I, I think I've gone on record a couple times saying that you have the best team. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I just wanted to hear you say it before we went off. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I think you to squeeze that in there. But uh, I, I do believe top to bottom that um, yours is the most complete with minimal risk and high upside. I, I don't see how this roster that you've assembled does not make it to the playoffs. Like it'll 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 be shocking. So yeah, man, you did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I wanted to hear. All right, thanks, guys. See you next time. Later.